it was been a long time for, for me to even have this conversation because I'm still kind of uncomfortable. Welcome, welcome. How you doing, brother? Good, James. How you feeling? I'm doing real good, man. I uh, appreciate you joining and gracing the Tune the Fork space. We have, uh, as a special guest, Ryan Lucas, yes, DC native, for sure. rapper, for sure. producer, for sure. MC, uh-huh. clothing brand extraordinaire, businessman, um, businessman. Uh-huh. <laughs> business, all about business, man. Uh, just a beautiful human being, man. I really uh, appreciate your spirit and, and being able to uh, join us, join me and, and the rest of everyone else today. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate the, the time. Um, I've been following your movement, so you know it's a, a treat to be able to share space with you in your platform. Man, I appreciate it. I, um, you allowed me to come on and talk a little bit on your um, segment, which is kind of, which is, what, what is the segment title? It's called Afro Cool. Afro Cool, okay. Yeah, yeah Afro Cool. Um, it's an opportunity for, for my clothing line, Power in One, to ultimately celebrate folks that are, in or that are using their power to affect change. Okay. So, you know, we started with the musicians, of course, but then um, they're in all walks of life, there are people that are doing that, and that's what the clothing line is about. So it's pretty much supporting those people who are doing the things that we're promoting. Okay. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Um, being as a cat that wears a bunch of hats, I heard you in a couple of different places when asked kind of like how you would describe yourself. One of the things that I think the the title that resonated with me the most mm -hmm. was Nation Builder. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Well, I've been on this journey of, since about, I guess, 2930, um, of, I guess, finding my truth, finding um, my place, I guess, um, being comfortable in um, the things that I'm doing. And as I took that idea as from personal, but then looked at it as a people, when I say people, African people, um, particularly in this country, um, and in studying some of our scholars, I thought about um, what are the ways that we can get what we want, we want the pursuit of happiness, you know, because ultimately that's what we all want. We just want to be able to do what we want to do without being bothered. Yeah. That's pretty much like basic, I yeah. think, is what we want. And with our unique situation or our situation that I believe that, that I believe that we're, we're in, um, a part of that is controlling your resources. Okay. And ultimately controlling and protecting your resources, acquiring resources, controlling them and protecting them. That's what a nation does. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So in the sense of nation building is a mindset that I believe we should all have um, in the sense that creating our own little space of acquiring resources, controlling them and protecting them. So um, mm. it starts with a thought, because I also you know, consider myself a thought provoker. It starts with a thought 
And well, how do, what are the ways in my immediate lifestyle that I am nation building? What are the ways that I am, you know, I say what time, um, acquiring my resources, controlling them and, and protecting them. So that's what nation building is. And I take that and then share that with everyone else through the music, through yeah. the clothing, um, through conversations, um, through the way that, you know, I interact with folks because ultimately I said businessman before growing up, I was not, I'm not the person in my family that's like, Oh, I want to start a business and, and be rich just to be rich. Yeah, me You know, but when I figured out that when you own your resources, you control, you really truly control your life. You have, mm -hmm. well, you control more of your life than yeah. the person that doesn't have resources. So, and that's how it works in our community. That's how the nation works. That's how the world works. So that's what nation building is, is basically doing that. And is that kind of like your orientation, just inward and outward? So all of the things that you do is centered around that piece of it. I would love for it to be, yes. I would okay. love for it to be. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know if I've always been that way or if it's natural okay. to me. I think that it became apparent that that was important when there's a threat to losing when you have a threat to losing your resources or realizing how much control you do not have, that's when it became apparent to me that okay. you have to, the best, the best defense is the offense. And then I was able to, you know, look at how, you know, all of, you know, nations or organizations or corporations work. The ones that are really able to be successful and maintain and sustain even, you know, countries are the ones who have a, 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 a offense. And that offense is their defense. That offense protects their, their resources. So I, I think that um, I try to use that, utilize that for my day-to-day -day, my, or my, my, my plan on how I move forward, you know, how to interact with people, how I, you know, conduct business, all those different things. So before we, before we turned on the camera, we talked a little bit about process mm -hmm. and how interested I am in learning about people's process and listening to, you know, kind of what makes them tick and how they got to where they are. Mm -hmm. um, I think you have, you are a consistent force to me as being an outward observer. I can count on Ryan Lucas mm. to be present mm. often mm. as an individual mm -hmm. and as a person who creates content, who gets up to show up, I know how much shit people have to overcome mm -hmm. just to get there mm -hmm. and how many excuses people can make Absolutely. to not show up. Yeah. And yet and still, I still see this brother on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I still see him fresh. I still mm -hmm. see him fly. I still, still see him doing his thing. And that's fuel and energy. And... So, and thinking about how you got to be that kind of person, man, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to have a conversation a little bit back before, like Little Ryan. Right. Um, who had a bunch of ideas, who was growing up in a household mm -hmm. with three siblings mm -hmm. and having these very strong forces in your life called mom and dad. Right. And um, 
and just talking to you a little bit about that piece of it. I know your dad was a pastor. Mm -hmm. I know your mom was a guidance counselor, right? right? And so, (laughs) um, and you, and a word that you use very often is conservative, Mm -hmm. I've I've, I've seen. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a bit about religion Mm -hmm. and how that shaped you moving through life and how it shaped you as a man. Mm Religion in my growing up in my household was identity. Okay. You know, um, not only was it the um, the practice of the study of Christianity, but also it was the culture. Um, I'm very close with my like my family in the DMV area, the Singletary family. It's my last name. My um. Uh, in the, in the DMV area, North Carolina um, area, um, we're very, very close because every Sunday we're in church together, you know, sun up to sundown, um, Bible study Tuesdays, uh, choir rehearsal Saturdays, mm-hmm. you know. So religion was more than just like a belief in in in, in some a force that's controlling, and that we go to, to to get things or you know that's our provider. It was my cousins. It was my. It was love. Yeah. It was love. My it was all synonymous. Uncles. It's all yeah. It's all connected and together. So it, it, it wasn't like it's. It was uh. It was every day. You know. Um. So that's that's pretty much what relig- That's what you know me my understanding growing up what religion was. I mean, it was uh, it was also about the stuff that was in the Bible, but it was really more than that. It was more. It was like mm. acceptance. It was um, um, this is where my confidence is. This is where my my everything comes from. That's what it was. Did you have to? Have you changed your opinion about that now? Absolutely. Well, about Christianity or religion in general, yes. Okay. And given that that was such an integral part of your life and your family, how did that, those relationships change once your relationship with religion changed? Right. Well, I had, well, okay. So when I decided that I was exploring what religion is in general and what it meant to me in my personal life, it started off with, I mean, this is where, this is where the real, the big long story, but we'll try to, I try to stick to your, your, your question. It started off with, you know, I lost my mother and my brother. Okay. Um, and, uh, at the same time, six months apart in 2010, my mom passed away in November. My brother passed away in April of 2011, my younger brother, he was 26 at the time. So, um, so I was uh, 29, 30, you know, it's the, the ages. I was, um, so what happened was, is basically I went through a period of grief and um, confusion, just in general. My whole world was just kind of rocked. And anger, you know, not, not sure who to be angry at or, or what have you. Um, but then I was, at the time, I was at the height of my, what I call my Christian, my Christian walk. Oh, wow. I was serving the church that I was 
Um, I wouldn't say I was like next in line to be a preacher, but I was serving really heavy in the church. I was leading small groups. So I'd have people come to my house, essentially have Bible study, two of them, uh, monthly, weekly. Um, I was heavy in, you know, in that. And then so, and then my walk, I was reading, I was doing all these different things. And at that time, that was the most serious I was about my religion. Like before, growing up, culture. Yeah. But then as an adult, I started actually doing the reading. You owned it. I owned it. There you go. And, um, you know, it's been a long time for me, for me to even have this conversation because I'm still kind of uncomfortable about, you know, because people say, oh, we, the reason that you don't, because of what you love, what you love. Sure, that's where it started. Absolutely. But then as I got into studying, I believe, you know, and I always say I'm a working, a working um, uh, project. But as I was studying and started to think and started to study history and that sort of thing and started to question, that gave me the ability to question mm. what is and what isn't. Because before I had no questions like, oh, it is. God is, you know. But then I said, what if there is no God? Yeah. You know, and that was the, that, that, those, those life uh, things that happened allowed me the ability to question. Um, so how do, how do my, how does my family or community, um, how does it, how do those work now? To be honest with you, I have not had a lot of this conversation with family. So it's still working. I'm still figuring it out. I'm still and I had a, I was, um, I met this girl when I was living in LA and she was an atheist. Her parents were Jehovah's Witness. And we were having this conversation about like, she's saying that like, well, this is what I you know, told my parents and that's the thing, how I'm, I'm moving forward. She's like, well, what do you tell your, your family? You know, cause my father passed away as well, but he passed away when I was younger, when I was in college. And, um, I said, honestly, I haven't had the conversation. I mean, my siblings, my brother and my sister, no. And we've, and we've had, and then some family members, I haven't really had the conversation with them, just haven't, haven't come up. You know, what happens when, when I lost my mom, like as far as me, I had to, I, I didn't have to, I, I, I sort of just blocked out a lot of stuff in relationships that I have been on pause right now because I'm, I was trying to figure out, it was 10 years ago, I was trying to figure out this, this world, life. And my brother passed, that's probably when it just went, you know, this was. So mom was in November, pops, I mean, your brother was in April. Mm -hmm. so. What, uh, if you don't mind me asking, man, what was your mom's name, bro? Fanny. Fanny. Mm -hmm. And your brother's? Randall. And uh, all y'all R's? My, my father's Robert, Lysander, Singletary, I've given all the governments. And my young, older brother is Robert, he's a second, and Ryan, Randall. My sister is a V, Vanetta. Now she was born, okay. she was named after my mom's, um, my mom's sister who, right, at, right when she was born, my mom's sister transitioned. She passed away. Wow. So they named her after her. It's an it's a, it's a interesting story because my mom was having, um, this is before my Aunt Gracie passed away. Her name was Gracie Vanetta Parks, and my sister is Vanetta Grace. Oh. Um, but my mom was having these visions, and she actually, I think, had dreamed um, her sister passing away. This is when she was pregnant with my sister. And so, um, you know, it's just kind of like the spirit's transition. You know, some, there's a saying that uh, when someone, when there's a transition, there's a new birth. Mm -hmm. Every time there's a mm -hmm. birth, there's a, a death. 
So Rob is the dude you was freestyling with in the basement. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And he's your older brother. Two years older, yeah. So is it? Uh, what's the ages? Um, I'm 41. He'll be 43 in September. But um, then Randall was two years under us, so it's two, two, two. And then my sister's three years under. Okay. Randall. Okay. So this is the baby. Um. Bro, I can't even imagine what you're talking about and processing that and just even trying to fucking process it for me as a, as, as a, as a dude over here. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just hitting all kind of shit that's just making me just real um, emotional, man. And, um, and I know that... Our parents, man, like when I, the way I hear you talk about them, like they, they gave you what you needed and they, yeah. they loved you and Absolutely. they, and was, you, you felt, yeah. I was raising love. Absolutely. And, um, to imagine how to make the transition to move forward when, when those kinds of influences are gone, it's a, it's a, That's a, that's, a, that's a crazy thing, man. So in your, <clears throat> one of the things I've, I, I, I feel when I, when, I, when I see you doing your thing, man, and when I listen to your music is that you love blackness. Mm -hmm. And I, as a person who grew up the way that I did, I didn't love blackness. Mm -hmm. I despised it mm -hmm. to a degree. Like everything mm -hmm. I thought about that was associated with black was some mm -hmm. nigga shit. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do everything that I could to disassociate mm -hmm. myself with it. And I think a large part of that had to do with my, you know, influences and, you know, the things I was introduced to at early ages. So I fell in love with blackness much later mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. And, um, did you always love blackness the way that you do now, or did you start developing a stronger appreciation for it as you got older? When I first came into what I call an awareness of the world as a black man, a black person, black boy, I want to say that I came up with it, but it's not true. My parents instilled that. They instilled that identity in me. Um, so the spirit of blackness has always been, or, you know, love for African, or Africa, African, Africa, um, concept. Cause I can even think back to, they would have cultural days at my school in the elementary school. My mom would dress me up in a dashiki that she got, cause she was a world traveler. She, that she got from Africa. She found an African, uh, um, chef. I, I'm not sure what country. And she cooked, she would have, she would, at the, she would bring to the school that I was going to, she would bring an African dish to teach the other kids that were in the school and myself about, they getting a bit of a, a taste of Africa, right. African culture. So that was instilled in me. Now, did I have the knowledge of um, the education of, of the contribution of Africans? When I say African, I include black Americans. I'm mm -hmm. a, I, I, I'm a, I will call that Pan-African, meaning I, got I think one, one people, we're all, got Marcus Garvey, we're all one mm -hmm. people. 
Um, so you consider yourself a Pan-African? Pan-African, absolutely. Okay. So that, those words, the knowledge of all these uh, scholars, and that still came through college. So that's when I got to college, I started to understand an identity of the gift or the contributions that Africans have made in this world. And the reason that that's important to say is because it's not to say, well, I won't even say that. I'll say that I needed to understand the contributions of Africans to this world. And I do not believe I got an adequate understanding of that in elementary school, middle school, or high school. Mm -hmm. So when I discovered all these, uh, all these things, all this, this history, it gave me, I believe it gave me a better sense of um, my place, my, our place, you know. And because, you know, I, I was not, I'm still to this day still learning things. Right. Because, you know, the whole thing, it doesn't, our history doesn't start at slavery. Our right. history starts yeah. way beyond. Yeah. Wherever it is, wherever, wherever we are right now, there's a rich history. There's rich world history. We have imprints everywhere. Mm-hmm. That needs to be ha- that needs to be had in a conversation in every conversation. Yeah. However, people want to take it, however people want to dissect it or deal with it, we have imprints everywhere. I think that's important. Yeah. I don't think it's just a something to pass by. Like, oh, how does that affect us now? I think that's the argument I hear sometimes. That how does that affect? How does all that history affect us now? It absolutely affects us because the way that you think about your, the way that you look at yourself or, or think about yourself affects how you talk to people and how you communicate with people. And if it didn't matter, they wouldn't have hidden it. They wouldn't have hidden it. And the crazy part about it, have you ever, uh, you know who Anthony Browder is, right? Yes, Dr. Browder, yes. Um, have you ever done his Egypt on the Potomac I want tour? to. I saw it because uh, you told me about it. Is it. Did we talk about it? We Do, talked about okay. it. They know. The people who are supposed to know, they know. They deliberately conceal that information because they understand just how powerful it is. And it's better access to information and the truth more importantly the information there's a ton of information sure there's just you know what we're lacking is truth and 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 a lot of this shit but they know otherwise they wouldn't it's like saying i don't know i don't want to say that but they know absolutely so that was instilled though in with me with my parents because i can go back to those instances when i first started getting into concert i can't I've been lied to. What is what's going on? Yeah, this? yeah. But that's not the truth. I have to. I looked at instances. Now my parents might not have said to me like, you know, you see, was that what, what was the movie where it's like, I am Malcolm X at the end of the movie, a Malcolm X movie, where all that we didn't have that. Where it's like what my parents were like, joint? you be black and proud, you black and proud. I mean, they may have said it or whatever, but it's more so that the culture of yeah. it. My mom made sure that I understood the culture of of um, or. You know, there are many cultures in Africa, but to understand that we are, we have a connection to Africa, to the motherland. So that's, that's what that, that uh, started. But um, I came into my own as an adult to understand and now identifying who I am and how I, I come into it and, uh, and how I approach it and how I promote um, the love of the culture. Because what I also was identifying with socially, friends, family, whether they're uh, black or not, is that there's a, you know, um, a not appreciation of being African. Yeah. You know, and that's just real. Yeah. I was listening to a, a gentleman talk, and we all, I think that we have to 
and it's it's everybody. It's just human nature. We all have um, been told things as kids, and those things kind of resonate with us. Or we see things. Mm-hmm. I was watching a, um, a movie, a documentary of this older gentleman, older brother, black man, and he was like, the only thing we knew about Africa was, was what was in the movies. He was Af- American, was in the movies. And I saw the little kids, the dirty kids with the flies on the, on the eyes. Yeah. You know? So that's why, yes, you'll see, if you follow me, you know that I love yeah. black culture. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, for yourself, you had to, and I had to go through this. I heard Dick Gregory say it, too. I also study a lot of Dick Gregory's mm-hmm. uh, his interviews, and, and that's so they can read one of his books. Or I didn't finish it, but I'm getting through it. <laughs> I have, like, 15 books I'm going through. Likewise. Um, he said, I had to realize that, I'm paraphrasing, that I had to get this dirt off of me and realize that I even looked at myself and had to convince myself. Yeah. You know, that I'm beautiful. I had to convince myself because of all this smut that we we've been put put on us, you know? So you got a lot of self-confidence, man, that doesn't feel like vibrato to me. Have you always had that? Because I know you said you viewed yourself as a shy kid mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. And you weren't necessarily that wasn't from low self-esteem. It was let me rephrase that. I'm telling okay. you. Have you always had the kind of self-confidence that comes off now? I don't even know if I have self-confidence. I don't know if it's an actor. I, I haven't figured it out. Or really? Yeah, I don't know if it's pure. It's not all the time. I think I'm a human in the sense that... Yeah, yeah. If I need to step up and do something, I'm going to step up and do it. Am I going to step up every time? I'm not. Okay. Because I'm diplomatic. I'm more so, is it worth me sharing this? Now, you say internally. Internally, I believe I know who I am, and I know my capability. There are times where I may not know how far I can go and I'll just say, do it. Effort and do it. And just let, you know, be scared and do it. And sometimes while I retreat, I'll retreat. There was a, there was a period of my, t- my life where I had to realize that since I am not the one that's going to jump in and throw the first punch, um, I used to have a problem with that. I said, maybe I'm not aggressive enough. Mm. I did go through that. But I realized that I am wired to think, consider, and reconsider. That's my gift. My gift is not to react immediately. Now, some situations Mm. you may need to, but I am not going to be the first reactor. I'm going to sit and think about what you said, you know, when you said it. Now, if there's a, you know, like a physical thing where I had to get to somewhere and make it happen, absolutely. But first, I'm going to figure out where you are and what your mind state is. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I do. I'm not an overreactor. So I don't know if that kind of connects with confidence. I think it does, meaning that I know my ability. I grew to know my ability, but I was never the one to jump in and just start controlling stuff or having to let everybody know how smart I am or have to let you know that what my, you know, how powerful I am. So when you described yourself as a shy kid, what were you what were you describing? I mean, there are many instances of that instances of that, but I mean, I realize I'm I'm an introvert. Okay. Um, I mean, that's, I know it's like toting the line. I, I think. Um, yeah, I think that that might be it. I I don't necessarily. Um, like say for networking, I don't come in the room, and I'm not the one that's going to work the room. You know? I got you. Okay. Uh, maybe that's what I meant. Okay. Uh, 
Because because there's a there's an energy. And I, I'm, I, I'm glad I asked the question, even though it wasn't a good one, because you answered it for me in a way that made that that helps me make sense okay. of that in myself. OK, which is. I know I'm this shit. I got a I got a uh, I got a a poem or like some spoken yeah. word that I wrote on one of uh, my joints that I did. And, and, and it starts with, I know I'm the shit. I just don't feel like it sometimes. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and that's it. Absolutely. And you can still have self-confidence peppered with self-doubt. And, absolutely. And it's okay. Both sides of it is okay. Absolutely. And I didn't, and it wasn't until you just articulated it the okay. way you did that made that make sense. So how do you decide? Is it case by case? I think it's when you just said it like to a degree, like when you know you got to get some shit done. Like yeah. I can, yeah. I can, be, I can be in my head about some shit, but when that shit is go time, yeah, it's go time. Like there are no excuses. I'll create all of the. Oh, am I gonna do this? It's kind of like when I DJ. I the minute I agree to do a DJ gig, bro, anxiety kicks in. Yo, the minute. I'm like, oh yeah, when is it? Oh, it's September 15th. I'm anxious about it right now. And I'll focus. Absolutely, bro. All the way, thinking about what I'm going to do. I'm imagining, okay, what if I do? What am I going to do at 11 o'clock? What am I going to play? This go together. And so I'll spend so much time envisioning that gig and I'll start preparing it, preparing it, preparing it, Absolutely. preparing it, preparing it. But once it's go time, is go time. And I think for me, that space is what I'm calling self-doubt. Yeah, I'll go with it. But I could still be confident at the same time. So my thing is, here's the issue that I have with people who are so confident that they don't question themselves. What if you're wrong? And what if you have an opportunity to change and reconsider in the middle of that? But because you want to be so self-confident yeah. that you just go with it. When you have an opportunity to say, you know what, that maybe not be the right road. Maybe I said that the wrong way. Maybe there's some healing or apologizing I need to do. But no, I just want to be. That's what I have an issue with some when it comes to like some of the politics, in a sense, or these. I'm tough on crime. Mm -hmm. There's no room. There's no room. The to cup grow. is full. There's no room to reconsider and say, you know what, this was wrong. We wrong. I wronged you. I do believe in myself and the choices I made at the time were right. Yeah. But you know what? Let's fix this. Yeah. And just say that. That's what, that's what that doubt is, you know, maybe, you know, part of it. How old were you when your mom passed? I was 30. 29. 29. And you were so basically the same age. You had just turned 30 with your, when your, when your brother passed. Yeah, he... he he was in the hospital. That's why April was also a crazy month for me. He was in the ho my birthday's April 13th. He was in the hospital April 5th. So I celebrated my, th my 30th birthday. This is crazy too. Now, this is the first time I was going to have a big party at a club. We had bought out the club wow. and 100 people on the list, Evite list or whatever. Uh, he, he, had a, um, he had an aneurysm. So he had a, there was a, a bleeding in his, in his brain. And uh, April 5th, so, you know, had to cancel and all that. So it was a very public situation. So, we're, you know, um, that was another difficult thing uh, about it. But it wasn't your question. 
Um, so I was, I hit 30. We, we were celebrated at my aunt's house with all my family, my 31st birthday at her house while my brother was in the hospital. And we realized that he wasn't, you know, we had to, he was going to transition. How old were you when your pad when your pops passed? I was twenty two, I believe. I was um it was a week before finals of my senior year of college. So within a ten year period of time, that shit just Yeah. Do you have markers in your creative process mm. that you can kind of go back to that remind you of the shift that occurred absolutely at those moments absolutely the music is is my book you know yeah bro Your first studio project was mm -hmm. I Want Her Back? My first full length. My first studio project was, um, yeah, the first full length, yes. First I mean, full I length. have, well, okay, so I have two out, two EPs that are just on Bandcamp, but my first, like, I'm proud of this baby here. I'm a rapper, I'm a musician, I'm a producer, was I Want Her Back to the, wor to the world. Where, which, yeah. And that was in 2018? It was actually 2016, um, so it was 2016. Uh, 2018 is when it's up there. That's, that's a good point. 2016 is up there because, well, it was up there because I switched uh, streaming services okay. within the time. So 2016 is So it came anyway. out in 2016. Yeah. Got questions about that album, okay. so, but I'm going to go back before that. Okay. When the music was your book, mm -hmm. at 22, what were you making? When pops pass, Christian hip hop music. Ah, I think it makes sense. Okay, okay. Cause you crazy with that pen, dog, and not using a whole bunch of no appreciate expletives. Oh, I tr you know the, you're you're right. I mean I. Yeah, I know. You know what? As I got older, I used more curse words. I, I get yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm yeah. like fuck it. You know. <laughs> But, um, yeah, you're right. So, so I had this love when growing up, like, you know, I had this love for music, but I also had a, I was serious about the faith. So I was trying to merge these together. And this was at a time, especially when hip hop in the church wasn't like, like now you have, you have artists now that are, that are able to like really do do their thing fully, you know, and and get the support of people. Mm -hmm. There's an actual hip hop genre, Christian genre, but at the time there wasn't. It was just like I had this love for hip hop, and I was serious about my faith, you know. And so yeah, that was you know college, um, and even like twenties and that sort of thing. I mean, I have a whole other life that that I've lived, but for music wise, that was that. What did your parents think about you doing hip hop music? Being they celebrated. That Okay. My, my dad would let me rap at the church, you know. Um, I played drums, too. My brother and I, like, he played a little piano. So we had this little crew. We just, he played piano, and, played and drums. And this was Robert or? Robert. Okay. Yeah, Robert. Okay. So, 
I know he tries to like, at this point, he doesn't talk about it, you know. He, <laughs> but I'm putting them out, you know. You know so. so they were supportive when it was the church music. So when you when you when Pops transitioned, when you were 22, mm-hmm. did your music was the was the music you were making? Did that change? Okay, so I wasn't as on it as serious as I am now as far as music. So it wasn't like my identity. It was something I did when I came home in the basement for years. It was a, I wasn't sharing it. So, I mean, I guess you could look at it like I was crafting. So you were rapping. Yeah. Like, like what KRS said, rap is something you do. Yeah. Hip hop is something, something you live. live. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know much about it. I didn't know much. I didn't grow up with the ciphers on the corner and that sort of thing. Um, I knew from what I saw and experienced, you know, you know, with some classmates, that sort of thing. And DC isn't like New York, you know, where, you know, birthplace where it was popping up on the corners and that sort of thing. Right, right. So my, I was always identified as like the Christian, a Christian MC up until um, Boy Meets Girl, which was 2000, like 11, 2010. So honestly, it switched right when 2010, 2011. Who's Kevin? Right. So what happened was Kevin was my transition out of uh, this Christian hip hop to uh, this hip hop music. Okay. So what was it was an uncomfortable because I I had to battle with myself to say now I want to be more authentic about my you know, where I'm at versus... It was your coming out, so to speak. It was a coming out thing. <laughs> I got you. Um, Kevin is... Um, I don't even know where I got the name from, but I, I like the name because it means handsome and well-liked. So it might have been a part of my ego booster, that sort of thing. Okay. So, yeah, I had this... Okay. It was an identity thing. And my um, my friend in college, you know, joked with me about that. Today. He's like, is Kevin coming today? Because <laughs> I, I was looking like, hold on, man. Who's Kevin? Yeah. And And... So it was a just transition. It, it gave me the ability to transition into more of myself. And so I, I sort of maybe stepped out of myself and came back to myself. What were you what were you battling? Did you think that you weren't going to be accepted in the Christian world if you went a little bit more secular? Because I know that is right. It wasn't that I was battling one to be more of myself. And not wanting to be rejected as myself. And who, who were you that you weren't showing up as at the time? Now remember we talked before the where I felt like my family is about image, a great image. I believe this is just my perspective. What came from? I got you. So I'm not even like going to put this on anybody. I'm going to say this is what I built up in my head. That. I wanted to be more of myself and more of myself wasn't aligned with my religious background. So this is something, you know, as I'm talking to you, as actually I'm working through it, you know, this is something that I had, that I was tr- battling within me. Mm. So being more of me, how I talk on the daily, what are the things I talk about and think about? And I have some thoughts even now on this new project 
and concepts that I share with people. And I'm not expecting them to get it, but there's a point to it. I think that I had to realize that I've always thought I was different, but I really am convinced now I'm different. I think different. I, I have these ideas and concepts. Now, there are people out there that have them, and I see them, I watch them or whatever. I don't have friends like that. Yeah. I just am different. It took me a long time to understand I'm different. And it's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling. And you sometimes, for me, I feel isolated Isolated. Sometimes. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what I was trying to, to get to with all the different train changes of more of who I am. Okay. And I don't know what would have happened if my parents were still here. Would I have been able to come to this place of liber- of freedom and truth? I don't know. All I know is I deal with what I have now mm-hmm. and where I'm at now. I love the way that I think. I love the way that I push push things. I love it. It comes Beautiful. with, I mean, it came with pain. Yeah. Of course, the loss and all that stuff. One, th- one time uh, another DJ friend of mine said that, like, your music, I'm hearing, like, pain. And I didn't even think about it until I started going back and listening to stuff. And I said, well, this is, you know, it's like the therapy session, you know? Yeah. So, um, but it's, it's ultimately, if I was to write what is the theme of the, it's just me getting to my truth. This is all this, the whole process, all those different steps, all those different things are getting to my truth. I'm a, I like to experience and try things out. You know, I think I, you know, I tell people I live five dot lives. I enjoy, I love the fact that I've tried things that I'm not doing right now. Yeah. Because I know, oh, that wasn't it. Yeah. And that's the thing, I'm telling you, man, um, watching you move, man, for the right person is very inspirational. Mm-hmm. I think about myself the way you think about yourself and your mm-hmm. thoughts. And I can sit and I can look at something and be like, huh. And see something that nobody else sees. Terrell is somebody who can see. He's one of the very few people who I can say something to and not feel like I'm an alien. But I'm like amongst, like a fellow person. Because most people are sitting back and I think a lot of it too has to do with how we what our relationship to music and sound mm. is. It's a real um it's like what bonds us in a way cuz it's like the way that we we the way we can see the music and hear something and how it can touch us in a way yeah. like it it's like he gets it. It's a weird thing. But I'm so, because if I talk to my brother, if I talk to certain people, they'd be like, man, what the fuck are you talking about, yeah, yeah, bro? Yeah. I don't even, and it makes you not want to talk. Um, and I've had to learn how to get so okay with yeah. being misunderstood yeah. and not being, because like just even doing this, I just got to talk. Mm-hmm. I'll figure it out. Right. Just give me an opportunity to just, pontificate right and I'll figure it out and I'll get it in my head and I'll put it back in I'll move on and go uh, do some other stuff so like with my lady I wake up in the morning mornings are the time when I'm doing the most of that kind of thought yeah and I'll sit there and do it and I can tell she's 
kind of checked out, but kind of not. And so I'll just yeah, lean on and be like, thank you for at least just listening. Yeah. You know, she ain't trying to solve the problem. She ain't trying to poke yeah. holes in what I'm saying. She ain't saying, I don't understand what the hell you're talking about. She's just letting me talk. Right. And um, it's, it's a good feeling, but it, it, it feels good to know that I have a friend in my life where I can, who I feel at least gets it and I don't feel isolated. Yeah. Um, I have a couple cats like that, right? But they're also on the same journey. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's a lonely life. Like it's a, a lot of times. Um, you mentioned something about not knowing if you'd be where you are in your discovery, if like the parents were still because I love my parents and I respect them having, I respect elders and I respect what they say and think and do. And I'm all about reputation. You know, I come from that. I'm all about never putting anybody who is giving me something or shared something with me or provided for me in a situation where somebody's looking at them. Like, what did you do wrong or, or what have you? You know, but you know, I've, I've come to the, I was thinking about like all the conversations I as lost and not having with my father because I was 21, so I wasn't really like a man, man, right? And I would like to think that as I come came into myself, that I would be able to be who I am and still be able to have that dialogue with him. You know, I don't know, but I, you had a no, uh, you. It's a it's a it's a convert view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interstation. No, um. My dad passed a lot later, okay. um, and it's strange because our relationship—it wasn't a sudden, you know. He had cancer, or whatever, but we uh, we got a lot closer, man. We got to really just share and say shit, yeah, yeah. which made the which helped the transition, helped me manage it a lot better. Um, but I want her back. Mm -hmm. What's that album about? Mm -hmm. Um. Well, jumping into relationships, right? For some reason, or not, maybe not for some reason. I say I love, love hip hop. I love relationship music about you know, hip-hop music about relationships you take your tribe ll cool j you know and also i love neo soul music okay so i always said if i could sing if i could hold a tune i'd probably be an rb singer because i, I mean i love i have a love for music and as far as like my favorite is probably like a neo soul r&b so i'm taking I'm making love music, but using hip hop okay. to do so. I want her back is the third part of a series that I created. Like when I sang, when I came in, uh, came with my f my first EP was Boy Meets Girl, which is like about meeting. Because also, at that time and even now, you know, I enjoyed the process of dating at that. Well, especially at that time, you know, twenties, thirties, I enjoyed the process of meeting a woman. And us going through the transitions. 
as I get older now, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm over the dating part. But um, I love women. And not to say I love women in a sense in multiple sense, but in a sense of I love the feminine energy. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. I love, you know, I love, I love, I love women. And so I love being around them. I love, you know. So basically, I want her back is a part of that, a relationship. And it, were, it was a combination of a bunch of relationships. That, of your personal experience. Personal experiences, for the most part, or they were, you know, inspired by other people's. But most of the situations or stories were either what I saw or what I wanted okay. in a relationship. So got Boy Meets Girl, which talked about the, you know, all the the, uh, the great things about meeting someone and, and connecting and building and having intimacy. Then the next one was next chapter was a little bit more dark. It's an EP, which I talked about the challenges of relationships. And then the full length, those were both EPs. Then the full length was I Want Her Back was about old love. Coming back to it, renewing, restoring, securing, you know, satisfying each other. And it did kind of, it did parallel with a relationship that I had. Okay. But it had ended. This relationship went on from about 2004 to 2008. No, I'm sorry. 2006, 2008, which was the only woman that I technically that I, that I know of that I was in love with. Um, that was the first time that I had met someone who I was like, I didn't think I would ever find that. You, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was possible. Mm. And so, so that's why I didn't, I didn't know what love, as far as like me being that tied to someone, like I feel like our souls like connected. I never had that. So since I didn't have it, I feel hard. Because I'm like, is this is oh wow, this is it. Now what happened was we had logistically issues, logistical issues because we both. She moved. We already knew she was moving. She moved to New York. I was in Baltimore at the time, but she moved to New York, and then the, the space. She was reconnecting with her people. I'm reconnecting here, at the time, and so we just that, whatever it was. Stopped. Now not it didn't stop in the sense of how I felt. It right. stopped. I wasn't make, willing to move. She wasn't willing to move. And so it was like a, we're just going to just like. And so I want her back. Part of that is from that. It's, it's, that, it's that dream kind of thing. But it would never, would, but that would never happen. But it's like, oh, if I took it to the next step, that's what would happen. Why didn't you move? So let's get into that. So that's, um, so 2004. Four. I went to University of Baltimore Law School. Um, I met her in 2006. She was going to another law school in Maryland as well. We both were figuring it out. We both graduated. Now, at the time, she had been... Uh, now, you asked my... Let me answer your question first. Okay, the reason I didn't move <laughs> is because I was back in the city. I was back in D.C. I was back with my people. My mother was here. When my father passed away, it gets kind of weird, but when my father passed away, oh, this is actually the real thing. I went to, I went to school in, in uh, follow me, I went to school in North Carolina, UNC Greensboro, North Carolina. My father passed away my senior year. I was not planning on coming back to D.C. What year was that? That was 2003. Okay, 2003. Okay, so let's go there. 2003, I wasn't planning, I was going to stay in North Carolina, but my mother was here. She had lost her 
her life partner. Um, my brother and my sister were here, two cousins, they were all staying in the, in the crib with her. And honestly, I felt like I needed to come and make sure she was straight. So I came back home after I graduated. So then as I was trying to think about grad school, I only applied for schools in the area, got into Baltimore. So that's the reason I went to Baltimore. And I was going back and forth, DC to Baltimore, but I was living in Baltimore. And I had never experienced DC as an adult. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I graduated, I said, I want to come back. Mm-hmm. When we met, she, we, I knew she was moving. When we met, she knew she was moving. It wasn't like, uh, but I guess the connection was so real. I was like, wow. So when she moved, I thought we'd be straight. I had never had a long distance relationship, mm-hmm. but then I had never been in love either. Right, right. And I had never, I was telling somebody the other day, the concept of marriage has always been in my, in my, you know, you know, vocabulary or the, you know, ideal. But honestly, to this day, I don't even think I, I, I could be serious about marriage. Like, I don't even know if I really can understand it. I'm not, I don't know if I'm there yet for that. Why not? It's so permanent, so final. It's so, this is the decision. I'm choosing you for the rest <clears> of my life. And, you know, there's so much that can happen. I guess I just think about, like, all the extras. Man, you saying so much shit, bro. So, I know the story jumbo, but you, but you kind of get. No, I, I'm just saying, like, you. Because, as a nation builder. Mm-hmm. There are responsibilities within that. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that. Yes. So. Let's go. How do you reconcile that piece of it? Right. Because, listen. You got a good, you had a good example. Mom and pops, you know, that's the archetype. That's the formula. And they weren't perfect. They had problems. But the perfection is in the commitment. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that they pers- they get they got through it. They and, stayed together. And that's so do you struggle with the idea? Let me take another step back. You believe in in love? Is that something that you... It wasn't you, a belief. It was I was living it. You, okay. Is that something... Have you felt that way since then? No. Is that something you look for? I don't, in, know, I don't know. In, in determining whether or not a connection with a woman is worth pursuing? Absolutely not. You don't even look for it? It's not a determining factor. It's not. At this point, it's so, not. So it don't, you ain't got to feel that. I don't. In order to commit because to a woman. Because I don't believe, I, I don't believe it's, it can happen. Because, because I did not search for it when it came. I don't believe. Well, I'll say this. If it comes, fantastic. I don't know if I can control it. I can't say that, yes, I'm going to, you know. But what I can say is that my life is finite. Mm-hmm. And if I want to partner with someone, I got to make a decision. I don't have to rush into it, but I got to make a decision with someone. You know, say the 80-20 thing, you know what I'm saying? Would I like, just being honest and transparent, I would love for that to happen. Am I uncomfortable about the idea of it never happening? Absolutely. And it may, ha- may not happen. Am I, 
I'm sorry, not confident. Am I confident that it's going to happen? No. But see, I don't like to move in the fake confidence either. Okay. Now, I can be confident with everybody else, but to myself, I'm not going to lie to myself and say, oh, that's going to happen. It's going to be all right. Because I've been in situations where it wasn't all right. So I don't know. But I'm not going to walk around. And people can. I respect it. But I'm not going to walk around and keep speaking something that may not happen. I'm going to speak what is and what I hope or what I tr- what trust I'm going to trust into and believe it. But I can't I can't control another person. I can't control how I react. I was given who I am. It was given to me like I mean, we have choices. Yeah. But I do not have the choice to fall in love with someone. I do not think. Do you think that you can fall in love with somebody and say I'm going to fall in love with her? So here's it's a little different. So walk with me. I believe that the opportunity exists for everybody. To me, love is a connection. And it is the connection that binds all things. And so that connection is more easily felt with some people than it is others. But the opportunity to develop and nurture that connection exists between every male and female relationship. It just depends on how much work you want to put in to develop and nurture it and how much work the other person wants to put in to develop and nurture it. And I think that's why a lot of arranged marriages end up having are more successful from a long-term standpoint because the metrics that they're using are different. The concept of this, of, of the emotion-driven desire, uh, what's the other word? Um, um, romantic elements of it are new. That ain't even some African shit, right? In terms of how we connected. We developed that over time. How do you solve your problems? How connected are you to your bullshit? You know, how committed are you to your community and your people? Who gives a fuck if you love me? Do you love your neighbor? Do you love the person you don't know? Because that's going to show me ultimately how you love me and how you how, how how you demonstrate patience and all of those kinds of things right and so most of the women that I've connected with in that way the carnal like not just carnal but also in that in love way most of those relationships were extremely they were more reflections of my weaknesses than my strengths and so um that's good bro Yes, thank you. Yes, I agree with you. I hold on to agree with you. So maybe I have to redefine, but because I like that. I want that. That's what I want. I want it to be not the feeling part. Commitment. Yeah. Responsibility. And that's different. And that's what I am trying to focus my time, my energy towards now. The feelings come and go. I have to anticipate that. I have to focus on something else that 
I gotta write that down. Transcends the feelings, my decision making, and my desire to be and stay committed to something has to transcend what how I feel about it. That's gold. Cause it, that's that's it. I agree with you. That's what I want to get to. Absolutely. And I think at least a part of that mindset helps because what I want to build, what I envision for my life is building a community of people that I think can grow into like the nation piece. Mm -hmm. But I really want to be like, and the thing that, that watching you helps me do is be, be committed to an example into mm -hmm. an idea because mm -hmm. a lot of what I feel you talk about and how you show up is like there's this idea of mm -hmm. Ryan Lucas bro mm -hmm. that I fuck with mm -hmm. that that resonates with me mm -hmm. and you're finding a lot of ways of demonstrating that idea and you're not necessarily attached to any one thing like you willing to try a bunch of different shit in pursuit of reflecting that idea because mm -hmm. it all is all of it are pieces of who you are and what you want mm -hmm. um mm. what i think part of the trying different things is because as you're talking as i I'm, as you're talking, I'm like, I mean, am I trying these things because I'm thinking they're going to get me to where I'm supposed to be? And I realize that that's not it. So I move on to the next or not mm. move on to the next or I, I share that space with the next to get there. Oh, that's not going to do or what's next? What's going to be? And ultimately, I don't know if there's an end goal, but maybe it's an end feeling that maybe the feeling honestly isn't the way it needs to go to. But in the meantime, the journey yeah. Has provided. So I'm finding it's all the journey right now. It's all the journey. Because yeah. I look back because when you're doing stuff, when you're working, like whatever you, you see me doing, I don't really think about like, you know, I don't really think back to how much until you look back. That's why I like to capture footage, video, things like that, because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it helps you to like look at the things back. But is this pursuit I have in my bio about reaching a pursuit of happiness? These things are that I do are pushing towards that in a constructive way. And here's the thing, though. I was just talking to my brother about this. A lot of what we're talking about creating, we've never even seen. Right. 100%. 100%. We don't even know. It's like when you're making a beat. How the fuck do you know it's right? You don't know. But you do know at the same time. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's... You might change uh, a little piece or add this little piece there, and somebody else might listen to it, and they might be like, man, that's tight. You should leave that the way that it is. Now, there is a, a such thing as a, somebody who's a, a um, perfectionist and those kinds of things, but you know when it's right and what it isn't. And in your, in your pursuit of this concept of happiness, you're going to do a lot of things but that's the beauty of it. At least you're doing them. Right. And it might be for this larger thing, but 
you're also willing to let it go. Right. And you're not just doing anything. Right. You ain't up here with a bunch of chicks with their asses out. Right. Like, you ain't doing anything right. to get right. more visibility. Right. You're doing specific things Absolutely. that reflect who you are. I would agree with you if you were saying, if, you, if I just seen, I've, I know dudes out there who are literally doing anything. Right. And they'll say something like, oh, man, you know, I looked at my analytics and, you know, I don't have a lot of women viewers. So let me go see what I can do about getting more women viewers. Right. And then you look up and, you know, he might have the spray hair because he's bald and women like, you know, like that right. kind of shit. Right. You're intentional about the things that you're doing and it all reflects it. But but, but what I'm saying is I think you're going to you're going to pick from that pool of possibility of things that reflect oh, absolutely. nation building. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Absolutely. We have a res I, okay, so when we talk about responsibility, I do have a responsibility. Now, I haven't made myself responsible to a woman to, for a long period of time, but I do have, res I believe I have a responsibility to those who I'm connected to. Yeah. Whoever, whatever that means, whether it's somebody I know or some, see something. I have a responsibility to give them healthy, the, 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 the look and feel of a healthy lifestyle, you know, in all aspects, or try to. Mm -hmm. Transparent and healthy. Because I do believe we have the ability to influence, but also, it also helps me stay grounded and righteous. I do want to be a righteous person and continue to live a righteous life as much as possible. I want to do right. My dad would say, do right because it's right. I want to do right because it's right. Yeah. You know, no reciprocation from it just because it's right. It's the right thing. What's Pop's name? Robert. I always like to speak, especially, yeah, you did say that. I'm sorry. It's okay. People who transition, it's real important for mm -hmm. me for, to say their name. Yeah. Like in the space. Yeah. It just, feel like it gives them, not to say permission, they're already here, but it gives them, like it, it gives us an opportunity to create space for them in another dimension. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, yeah, but yeah. like, cause they're already here. They're yeah. always here, but like just right. saying their name, it's like, okay, boom, they get to sit there. Yeah. Boom, they get to sit there right. and just participate. Absolutely, um, absolutely. What's your relationship? Like, are you in relationships? Like, do you are you a dude who kind of like go in and out with the ladies? Like, you, you, what what what's that? I like what you said before about the anticipation of my feelings and moods changing, right? Or feelings changing. So, I think that's what I've allowed my moods and my feelings to control, kind of my relationship department, which isn't. Or it's counterproductive to in a bad way of what you perceive to be a bad like is, yes, is that a, because okay. I stay in the moment instant gratification okay so I can talk about where I am now and then where I want to be I mean I guess that's that way I mean um, I do want to be in a, have a life partner you know I do want to have someone who is my like well, then even you get into the, what mine is, territory, and all that stuff, I'm still working through that part. 
Yeah. I'm also breaking, trying to break this. It's a tradition of what is and what isn't. Role, gender roles, things like that. I mean, I'm reconsidering everything, you know, like as far as um, power um, and that sort of thing. Because my parents, even though my parents, maybe the people outside may not know, even though my parents, you know, were married and in, in a traditional way, my mom had a lot of power in the house. She wasn't what you consider the submissive woman. Right. You know, so. And I think it's like that with most black families. That part of the story doesn't get told they don't get often. Told. It doesn't get told. And or because of the role had them in, a, um, and not to cut you off, please hold the thought. But because the role might have been like, not to say your, your mom was a working mother, but when the traditional one is a stay-at-home mom, just because they stay at home don't mean that they not, that they not running shit. A lot Absolutely. women, yeah, I'll just leave it there. It's a totally different relationship. And I think we really do the legacy of womanhood a disservice when we speak in a way that doesn't, highlight the true power that they had in those dynamic relationships. It just, it's just, it's an oversight, a complete oversight. I'm reading this book now called The African Woman Was the First Guardian Angel. And I can't recall the author, but it's talking about the divinity of the woman, black woman, and also talks about historically how, what the African woman the value of the African woman in the household, how much power they, they, they actually had. Mm. And nowhere in there does it talk about necessarily a man taking care of everything with a woman. It talks about the woman has very important roles mm -hmm. that makes the man be what, who, who he is. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it goes along with the concept that you just said that that uh, that's a I don't that's a misconception. I think that we have a you know as far as the submission and what it is and what a man does and what you know there is I do believe in order and I don't believe in chaos, but I do believe that there the way they make it seem like man just controls everything is not it's not realistic. Yeah, it's not realistic. It's not. I mean, and if you ever spoken to a woman who is a housewife? "Quote unquote housewife," how much work they have to do? Yeah, they actually when they holding it down and they have children. Just different work. It's they but it's should be honored yeah, for all that should. stuff they do. They have a lot of they got a lot to deal with. So you know, it's not a so for anybody to think that a woman comes into a marriage and it's going to be easy for her, whether she feels that way or the man thinks that oh, I'm just going to take care of everything. That's not the case. I mean, it, some people do that, but there's something missing if that woman isn't putting in that work. You know, there's something missing. You mentioned about where you are now and letting your feelings. Yeah, so I think, you know, last year I did a lot of work in, in trying to figure out why I wasn't having successful relationships. And part of it um, was not, it was that I was not wanting to release that power of giving someone an opportunity to, to being vulnerable, being vulnerable ultimately with someone. So, I mean, it's not like it's a button I can switch on, but I'm being more aware of when I want to retreat. What that looks like and why do I feel this way? It's because I'm leaving stuff out. I'm not sharing certain things with, with a woman. So I'm like, I'm just going to leave. What do you think that's about? I 
judgment. But every woman that I've been vulnerable with has, has, has been able to appropriately, you know, respond. So I don't know if that was something from, I don't know where it originated from. But So if the women are okay with it, it sounds like you're not okay with it. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, that's good. Why do you think you're not okay with it? Image. It's not conscious though, because I don't, I don't want to have a, I don't think, you know, I, you know, yeah, image. Image of being human. Imperfect. Um, not having the, not having it together, not having the right decisions made. Um, the responsibility of making a decision for someone that's going to affect somebody else and it not going the way it's supposed to go, it failing. And maybe these are the kind of conversations you were talking about wishing you could like have with pops and shit now that yeah. you're older and you, you understand what some of the dynamics, yeah. how some of those dynamics show up. Because, you know, on all accounts, it sounds like he was that, that guy, you know what I'm saying? And figured out ways of doing that, like maybe like in his own life that could. I might romanticize it. It's, not, it's probably uglier than it was, but. You know what I'm saying? You know how you look back and say, oh, they, you know, they did this and do that on paper, like, yeah. In the midst of it, you know. But I think that is precisely the point, though. Right. And I think that's what we miss. It's funny how the people who I have people in my life whose parents are still together. Yeah. And it's crazy how they seem to be the ones who struggle the most in relationships yeah. at times. Mm, I think I heard you say that, yeah. And I don't know. I think you said it though. I, yeah, I think, what was the reason you said it? Um, I, don't, I, I don't even remember. I, okay. wish, I wish I could, but, I, but it's definitely been a pattern. They struggle with commitment. Yeah. They struggle with... Um, acceptance it might be like a sense of like intimacy issues or something i don't know i don't like it there's a there's a struggle there that prevents them from recreating what they saw because you see the ugly well for me i think part of it i can go back to see the arguments that they had my parents had and then me feeling like they're trapped. Mm. You felt that. I felt that they were trapped. One of them or both of them were trapped with each other at times from things that they said. So maybe. Okay. It may be. I understand that. Okay. I, that I can. But that's. And now I understand. So it is a. 
but you're choosing to be trapped. Uh -huh. And I think as we get older, I don't know how we demonstrate that kind of shit to kids. And there, I think there's a reason why in the Bible they say good and bad, rich and poor. They're examples of not focusing on the condition, mm. but on the commitment. Mm. Mm -hmm. And the minute we, and because the number of conditions are innumerable. Mm -hmm. There has to be something other than that that we have to focus on that gets us to the other side. Right. And sometimes the other side is we wouldn't accept anybody's shit if we didn't have to. Right. And they wouldn't accept ours. Right. So why, why voluntarily accept? Because... There's this chasm, there's this ocean that we got to get to the other side of. And the only way we're going to do that is if we agree to get in this motherfucking boat, realizing that there's no exit strategy, and we're going to figure this shit out so that we can get to the other side. Because there's no, we wouldn't do it any other way. We would just be fucking around. We'd just be having casual interactions. Right. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't commit in a way that would cause great discomfort in the individual that helps foster patience, understanding, demonstrating these things. So that... One of the beautiful things about the Bible is how they say God loves us mm -hmm. and how patient they say that he is and the grace that he extends and all of these things. Mm -hmm. When you created the framework, you can do all of that. Mm -hmm. So he's not loving the, per the condition. He's loving the person. He's not loving what we do. He's loving the person right. who we are. Right. And a lot of times when we're talking about whether or not we like people, we're talking about what they're doing. We're not talking about who they are. So I can disagree with you. I can argue with you. I can call you out of your name. I can fuck around. I can make a mistake. I can fail you. But that doesn't... I can, cre I can, I can go through a failure, but that doesn't mean that I am a failure. Right. In this effort. Right. And so there's no other way to do that, I feel, than through a marriage because that's the commitment. Right. That's the boat that people get, that a couple gets in and then tells their community what their intention is right. to get to the other side. Can't just, I don't, I don't. I don't think you could just do it saying, hey, we just gonna be together. We just gonna be, we're gonna, we're gonna move in together. Like in our society as it's based now, there's that's not the highest form of commitment. It's not the highest level of commitment. Right. And so, what is the highest level of commitment in our society today? It's marriage. And so you find somebody and you say, we're getting ready 
to demonstrate our commitment to each other in the highest form possible. Mm -hmm. And we need y'all help. Mm -hmm. This is what we're about to do. And then everybody rallies around and says, okay, it's gonna be hard, mm -hmm. but let's do it. Mm -hmm. We're with you. And then boom, you go. I think it's a different statement when you just like, guys, let's get together. And then you can just leave. Right. And like, you can focus on your feelings. And, right. And, you know, I just don't feel like it anymore. Right. I just don't feel like it. We've, we've grown apart. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I can't imagine a nation being built with those values. Nothing would get done. Humans are too fickle. Exactly. Especially now. I agree with you. But I know we didn't talk a lot about music, bro. No, that's it's that's all in the music. Everything we talked about. <laughs> we did talk about music. Um That's all in the music. How we doing on the time? Oh. One twenty. Um You got two nieces. Mm -hmm. How old are they? Uh, nine and eight. Okay. And uh, they love their uncle, mm -hmm. Ryan. For sure. I believe so. I'd like to think so. <laughs> you want kids? If it's meant to be, um, I want to first be committed to someone before I have children. But I heard someone say one time is like the, the most like revolutionary thing that a brother could do is to get married and have children. And that really stuck with me like if and, you don't want kids. And be faithful. I add a caveat to it because I agree. But it's the it's the it's the it's the commitment mm -hmm. and the faithful piece, and for me, I don't think it's the same necessarily for everybody, because mm -hmm. everybody has different challenges, you know, with shit, man. And I think ultimately the most excuse me, the most revolutionary thing a person can do is change themselves. Mm -hmm. That. Whatever, and you can demonstrate that through, because we all know our bullshit, we know our weaknesses, we mm -hmm. know what our shortcomings are, we know what we're scared of, we know what's driving bullshit behavior, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a lot easier to judge other people for that shit. Mm -hmm. But for a long time, I didn't know I could say I wanted kids. Mm -hmm. um, Why is that? I think I was afraid of fucking up somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I and and as I say that, I say it's a bullshit thing because I just I don't think I would even do that. But <laughs> right. But what is that even about? Right. Everybody who I talk to say, "Oh man, you'd be a great dad." Mm -hmm. You a nurturer, you know, you listen, you're patient, mm -hmm. you all of this shit. 
but I'm walking around here thinking I'm going to fuck up somebody's life. And do you think that the majority of people that have children even had that conversation with themselves to even consider whether that was the case? Probably. You think so? The ones that have children? I think a lot of people having kids without, they're saying, nah, it's going to work out. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? You true. I, that's true. That's true. I mean, I th- it's just like me with the, the marriage thing. I mean, it sounds like you have the similar thing when it comes to the kid thing. It's, it's like, you know, um, I think about all the things that could go wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But. And is that just the, is that just the mind that's just trying to mitigate risk? Try to, or at least anticipate them so that you can mitigate them? Because you got to think about a risk in order to. I think it's good to consider it. Yeah. I don't think that, you know, in life in general, this is beyond just marriage or kids. Uh, you should stay stuck in it, right? You know, you have to make a decision and, you know, like you were saying before, all the steps you have to take with the marriage or the commitment to it. Same thing with children, preparing yourself for it. So what I've done, because as of maybe a year and a half is when I decided, oh, maybe I want kids. I've started to think about what are the areas in my life that I have to uh, strengthen or better so that I can prepare and make space for a wife mm. and children. What are the, some of the things I kind of like have to work through, whether they're physical or, or, you know, mental or whatever, or spiritual or socially? What are the things that I should sort of put myself in the best situation so when I do have that and present it with it, it's kind of like the whole thing of, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that, um, you know, I'm willing to take the steps towards that let me prepare so that if it an opportunity happens, because I still believe, I do believe in choice, but I still believe that we have opportunities that come to us. And making sure that if that opportunity comes in the, in the capacity that's supposed to come or that it's an acceptable capacity, then I'm ready for it and just walk into it as much as possible. I mean, it's not going to be easy, but. So do you believe that once you choose something, the choices to le- that leads to that, the opportunities, once you choose something, mm-hmm. the opportunities that lead to manifesting that choice arise? I want to believe that. I want to believe that if you put something out there, you put t- time and effort towards something, that maybe it's that you start, you're now looking for it because... It could be that red, you you know, you, you know that red car could have been driving down the street for years, but you didn't <laughs> realize you wanted it. Yep. You had a for sale sign on it, right? Until you decided, oh, I want a car, mm-hmm. and you start looking up. Now the car been driving down the street for years. Yep. But then finally, that now I'm ready to buy the car. Yep. It's right there. So I think that's what it is. It's more so the opportunities are there. They just become uncovered. They 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 become discoverable once we align ourselves with where. We're ready for it. When we say we're ready for it, and we're not just saying saying it, but we're acting yeah. towards it happening. There's action. Because I also do believe that you can have a baby or have these things when it may not be the best to do so. So I believe you can you can make choices that I wouldn't say wrong. I would say that are um, you didn't use your wisdom in moving forward with it. So so I'm not saying that you take every opportunity just because there's a woman who. You, you want to have unprotected sex with and, you know, <laughs> and you just shoot the club up and then you have a baby. Yeah. No. How about you, you know, yeah. how about I prepare myself so that I'm able to, so I've been working on my friendships 
my family, how I communicate with my family. Yeah. The things that used to like piss me off before or get on my nerves or why? I ask myself why. Why am I feeling this way? And I communicate to them. Because you said it before about, you said it um, preparing for the, the mood. So I let them know. You know what? I've been struggling with this. And this is what happens when I'm in it. And so my friend, I have a couple of good friends who when I'm in the midst of it, as we're doing life together, I let them know, this is how I feel right now. Yeah. Remember what I was telling you before? This is how I feel. So we'll talk about it. Well, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And it's usually because there's something that I'm insecure about yeah. that I don't want to share. And I share it, and I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. So I'm practicing, for better or for worse, I don't know if that's good or not bad, but I tell my friends, like, I'm practicing on you. Yeah. You know, we're doing life together. These are the things I'd like to, and you do the same thing for me. Let's work these things through, because this is someone, when I decide there's going to be one person, I need to figure out how I'm going to react to certain things. I may not be able to figure out everything, but maybe I can, like, um, mitigate some of those things as unknowns. It's like... Um, in preparation. I'm never going to arrive somewhere, though. I, I believe that I'd just be a better place the further along the journey. Yeah. So. Do you... Um, have any, regret, any regrets? Well, what are regrets? I don't know. Part of I, the... Part I think... You, I was too... I was too I answered, I answered too quickly. That was a that was a cop out. A regret is a uh, I want to I want to define the word with the word with the word in the definition. A regret is a negative feeling. Mm -hmm. associated with an outcome. I don't know. That's kind of broad. If that's what it is, a negative feeling with an outcome? Well, that, that's associated, that's associated with an action. If it's just that definition, absolutely. Now, because everything that, every risk I've taken didn't work out the way I thought it was gonna work out. So, but if it's that broad, I mean, if it's that broad, I thought, you know, maybe we would regret, I guess my definition is of something that you did that you wish you really shouldn't have done. Yeah, that's way better than mine. I don't have those. I have, because what I say is that in the moment, I made a decision based off of the information I had and how I, and I include how I feel. I know maybe that's, that might be a little touchy for people. Because, you know, as we talked before, you know, emotions sometimes lead you uh, in, in directions that maybe you the next day would have done something differently. But I always say I made a decision at the time based off of what was going on in the circumstance. I'm confident in that, in that. Were they all right? No. Were they all wrong? No. Um, so I, that's why I say I don't have regrets. But if it's did I make a neg did I make a decision that I have a negative feeling for or whatever? Absolutely. I think yours is. Because I, what, what I think I'm identifying the thing, because I don't even know really what the definition of the word is now that you asked, what is it? But I've knowingly hurt people. Oh, absolutely. And was there a reason? Yeah, but. 
I guess I give myself an excuse. It, yeah, it was a bullshit reason, but it's almost like when you know you shouldn't do something and you do it. I'll give you, this will be an extreme. Let's say, I know I'm not supposed to drink and drive. I know I'm not supposed to drink and drive, mm -hmm. but I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. and I go out here and I drink and drive and I hit someone mm -hmm. and they end up becoming a paraplegic. Mm. Do I regret that? Mm. Got you. I would think I would because I knew I wasn't supposed to. I know I'm not supposed to drink and drive. Now, let's say, let's say you call me and be like, hey, man, my car broke down. Can you come pick me up? And it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm going to get up out of the bed and I go pick you up. And through that process, not drunk, anything like that, I'm going to go help somebody. And I fall asleep at the wheel of the car and end up in the same outcome. I don't regret that. Because your intent. Because my intent. Oh. Okay. So I think regret for me relates more to intention. Okay. And the, um, and the negative consequences mm. of those intentions as I'm talking it through. Got you. I believe that my intentions, I'm not saying always, but 99% <laughs> of the time are pure. Okay, okay. Now, it may have affected someone in the wrong way. Well, let me not say that. Let me not lie. Okay, there are things that absolutely that the intent was off and the... Now, of those things, I don't know. I can't think of off the top of my head because most of the time, every decision I made, whether it was unwise or not, I believe it had a, there was some kind of reasoning behind it. Okay. It made sense to me in my head. Yeah. In my, you know, out the box head, but may not have been the best for whoever it affected. I agree with that part, but. So, what music you working on? You mentioned the project. Yeah, so with Brunch Beats, I had season one, which was which didn't have a length of time. It was like when I was done, I was done. So season one was like 60, 60 episodes, and I did once a week every Sunday, and then took a break. And from there, I created an album, instrumental-ish album called Brunch Beats, which is streaming everywhere. And then... Like a Saeed Bowl. Oh, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and then so I uh, had a reboot with season two, which ended about a month or two ago. And I called season two the 10 week album. And basically what I did was, as these beats that I was creating, I was also creating songs for once a week for, for the batch, some of the batch, you know, the beats that I was making. Okay. So I made a beat each week and I showcased it on the Brunch Beat season two. I got through the 10 weeks, and these were demos, meaning the way that I work as an artist is I'll lay down a track, make the, produce the, the track, write the lyrics. I mean, sometimes, you know, they come from different places, not always, like, computerized that way, but lay down a track, write the lyrics, and then I will do a version of it. I'll record a version of it, a workable version that I feel like it's enough to share. It's not clean, it's not polished, but it's enough where people can get it, the view. Um, especially in this phase of my career. Because um, before I was very, very concerned about being very meticulous before anybody hears anything. Now I'm more focused on showing process. Because honestly, showing the process, this is my, in my head, the showing the process also allows for critique, 
how people feel, and it gives me a time to rework things if I want to. Yeah. And I'm not in a rush to put things out because the minute it goes out, it becomes, oh, it becomes, what's the next album? So I did a 10-week album where I showcased 10 of the, the tracks. Um, and since then, I've been on break from brunch beats because now I want to re-record, finalize these songs. The 10 joints. The 10 joints. And I actually may create maybe two or three more just to give myself room. I want the album to be like 10 tracks. And once I, once I re-record, get all the pieces I want together, then I'm going to release the album. I haven't thought about a rollout or anything like that. When I'm assuming I'm going to do it this year. But I'm just kind of moving with the spirit. I just moved from uh, L.A., so I'm just getting settled back in the DMV area, reconnecting with people, so I'm not rushing that process. So I'm not sure when, oh, it's going to come out or, you know, but I do want to add some more tracks to it. I did take one of the tracks and I just released it on all platforms. It's called uh, That's a Definite. Yeah. I released it on my birthday uh, last Wednesday. So because I feel like it was it was one of the of the joints that was like, okay, this is pretty strong based off of the... Um, and I wanted to do something. For some reason, we, have this, we want to do something special on our birthday. I don't know what that's from or what that is. I just went along with it. Oh, neither. But I need to question myself on that because I'm just trying to break out of all these boxes of even celebrating one day out of the so-called 365 that we have. You know, like this one day is more special than the others. But for whatever reason, I released it. And so I'm expecting to myself to get it, you know, finish the album. It's going to be called Stars and Hearts. That original concept came because of my niece, my niece Ryan. Oh, that's her name? That's her name, yeah. So okay. Ryan and Jordan. Ryan is the oldest. She drew me a picture. I th you saw it because I posted it on Instagram. It was, it was about a year or two ago. Um, and it said Ryan Lucas, and she had hearts and stars on it. And I started thinking about it. I said, oh, this would be a dope album cover. And I posted it. I was like, oh, this would be a dope album cover. Yeah, okay. You remember? Okay, yep. so kind of remember. But I was like, this would be dope. First, it would be dope because my niece will be a part of my project. You know, like she, when she gets older, she'll see that her uncle had her, you know, use her, his art, her artwork to share her, what he loves to do with the world. Mm -hmm. um, second thing is I want to... Both of them, I want them to unlock their creativity as young as possible and as often as possible at that age. Yeah. And so, because part of what I do is allowing them to get what, you know, a version of me I never had, you know, I keep touching this thing, a version of me that I never had. They're someone who is fully living, you know, expressing their art. Yeah. However, it comes out. Yeah. And then, be, and them, I would love for them to be able to balance it. Like I've, I've been trying to do balance it with everything, you know, because art is a part of the the bigger picture. So there's that, and then hearts and stars. Hearts and stars. I thought about what does that mean? Hearts, stars. We look up at right. Heart is within us, right? Ground. Um, a heartbeat. We need it to live. We. Um, the heart keeps us. For me, my heart keeps me remembering who I am, what I'm doing. The star is what I'm pushing towards, the journey to get into. So the album called Hearts and Stars filled with a number of topics. 
some of them we shared today <laughs> that I, uh, and, and some some messages I'm, I'm attempting to push nation building is one of the joints um, where I talk about it basically give a one-on-one class on what are the elements of building a nation and when I say building a nation it really starts with just like a community I think you, you mentioned it before but literally what it means is just us within ourselves we know people do X Y and Z and us just continue to work with us to do it mm-hmm. controlling resources um, building our resources, and protecting our resources, you know? And so that's, that's pretty much, you know, that one. But there are a number of other tracks on there. There's one called Marry for the Movement. Can I'm still with The first line is, we didn't marry for love, marry for the movement. Committed to uplift the people and prove it. Yeah. So the idea of marriage being about purpose of, of something versus the feeling of something. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting that you, the way you were talking about but that's exactly what, that is, um, but not want to gl- neglect the romantic thing because I mean you know that's it's. I would love to you know I don't know where love to we have the conversation another time maybe give me what you mean more about the concept of that the feeling where that came from because if that hasn't been with us forever I would love to know where that came from because that changes if that's the, if that's what the real is that changes my whole like or questions or challenges my whole concept of what how we should be moving in life. So I went to an African um, event at Dr. Browder's YMCA. Okay. And it was about African unions and religions. And they talked about, this was maybe about six, seven years ago. It was a minute ago. Mm-hmm. And um, they were saying that this is a European concept mm. that is relatively new, like Renaissance mm-hmm. era okay. type, where this feeling that you have inside of you is actually going to be the dominant factor in mm. who you choose to spend the rest of your life with. Right. As if that is the end all be all. Right. And that and they and they gave a bunch of examples how that um was just not something that was factored into um African cultures at the time, two, three, four, five thousand years ago. It could have been present, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a dominant factor. Okay. And I can't remember um I kept the pamph- the paperwork that I got out of that thing for years. And I think mm-hmm. I just recently threw it away, okay. maybe like about a year ago or so. But it was a real interesting class because I was with a, a woman at the time and I was really just trying to understand different perspectives on like this concept of love and this concept of um, relationships. And I hadn't really migrated to where I am now about it, I was still just trying to understand okay. the nuggets of it. But now, for me, bro, it's all about commitment. What are you committed to? Yes, sir. The feelings come and go. The commitment has to be, and, and it, it, it's going to sound super crazy, but that's what you choose. Right. That is what you choose. Exactly. And all things come out of that choice. Right. And it's literally just saying, yes or no, I'm going to commit to this woman 
Why? Because I said I would. Right. Yeah. Literally that motherfucking simple. Yeah. And don't we ain't got to cry, oh, because I feel like she's going to be, or I just feel like, oh, you went through that process before. You, right. you, you, you looked at what you saw. You, 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 you see how she solves problems. You see how, you know, again, like, what's her relationship to other people like? You know, what is that? And then, you know, you make, and if you just so happen to fall in love and, you know, this shit happens, but it doesn't, it, it didn't, it didn't, I got the impression that that's a new thing. Wow. Like these feelings. And, and like, I can dig it, man. Focused on that. I can dig it. I, I think, um, yeah. The shits are just too fleeting. Like, in my own, dude, if I, if I listen, if I focus on my feelings, and I'm a reactionary person too, which I think is different from you. Like, you, uh, you said you, what do you consider? You think, consider, and then reconsider? Yeah. I think, and I will fucking be trying to, oh, let me just, and I'll contain it and contain it in my mind starting in. I get, I'm way too reactionary. And that's been a positive for me, and it's also been a negative. And I found that the more I can restrict that and understand what's going on inside, the better long-term decisions I'm making from that Absolutely. process. Because the short-term, like... Absolutely. Shit just don't work. Yeah. Um, you believe in aliens? You know, I've been getting into um, the planets and all that and the stars and all that stuff. Because I'm like, I think I'm fascinated with the, the idea that we're like made of the same thing stars are made of, right? Yeah. Do I believe in aliens? I don't know. I don't have a, an opinion either way. I think that there is a lot out there beyond this earth. And I leave it at that. Like, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, I watch a lot of, like, space documentaries. You know, anything I can get my hands on when it comes to that. Like, all of the different planets have been found and stars and, you know, how we orbit. You know, the fact that the sun is orbiting around in, like, the Milky Way is just a... Yeah. It's like really so. The Earth, it's just the the whole design is just amazing to me. I've heard you mention aliens a couple times in your joint. Oh really? Okay. Um, and some of the sounds, and I think we had a conversation. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And um, and I'm saying that because as I was listening to one of your tracks, I can't remember which one. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm gonna name That's cool. this episode from slave ships to spaceships. <laughs>